0: The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening and we pray that God's word will enrich your journey today. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but today God is giving us an incredible opportunity. You know what that opportunity is? He's giving you the opportunity to show you how he's going to see you through your valley. Everybody say valley. The opportunity today for you and me is to see how God is going to see you through your valley, to free you from the fear and anxiety that has gripped your heart to free you from the loneliness and the doubt and the fear that's surrounding you in the midst of your valley. And I don't know if you need a message like that. I'm not sure if you're in the room today or watching online and you're thinking yourself, man, I need a message like that. Well, good news. It's the message that I've been living. I've been living in the valley, But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen? So today we're going to talk about valleys, and I'm excited that you're with us if you're our guest today. Welcome to Pathways Church. This is a great church with great people, and we serve an incredible God. Anybody going through a valley? If you're going through a valley, I'm right there with you. You're going through a valley, I see you. I'm right there with you. The loneliness, the doubt, the fear, wondering, you're thinking to yourself, I can't take another step. You cry out to God, God, I don't know if I can take another step. God, I'm not sure. God, where are you? God, where are you in the midst of this valley? I'm walking and taking those steps with you, those same steps through my valley. Now, obviously, I don't know your valley, and I don't know the set of circumstances that surround your valley, but what I do believe is that God sent me here today to tell you that sometimes the only way through is through. The only way through your valley, the only way through my valley is through our valley. It's to go through the valley. So this message is from my heart to your heart. This message is from my heart to your heart. Yes, as your pastor, but more, but more than a pastor, this message is as a human being. As a flawed and a failed human being who is sinful, and yet, because of God's great grace and his love and mercy, I am walking through the valley today. And today, I get to share this message with you. So, what's a valley? A valley is any difficult and painful place in life where everything seems hopeless and helpless. And as you might be walking through your valley today, here's what I wanna tell you. The first thing that I want you to hear is simply this. You're not crazy you're not crazy. Aren't you glad you came to church today? The pastor told you you're not crazy. Hey, that's good. I mean, that, 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 that's, 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 yeah, that's just basic admission. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. Listen, I know that if you go through a valley long enough and it's dark enough, you begin to have crazy thoughts and crazy symptoms. And you begin to think to yourself, I'm crazy. But I want to tell you today, you're not crazy. There might be crazy in it, but you're not crazy. Amen? Amen. The second thing that I want you to know is that he'll see you through. Our God is a deliverer. But here's the thing. We assume sometimes that God's deliverance is immediate. We know that God is a deliverer, and so theologically, we begin to, to, to run down this line of thought to say, well, if God is a deliverer, then his deliverance must be immediate. It must be right now. And so we usually pray when we're in a valley, God, would you get me out of this valley right? Yeah. yeah. You know what I call those prayers? Those prayers are panic prayers. And it's okay to have a panic prayer. I prayed many panic prayers in my valley. God, get me out of here right now. It's a panic prayer. And you know why we pray it? Because behind those words, we have an assumption that if God is for us, then that means he will remove us immediately from the valley. Now, how many of you have ever had some challenging and hard conversations in your life? Okay, raise your hand. Show of hands. Okay, we've all had some challenging conversations. We've had challenging conversations with God. We've prayed prayers. God, get me out of here. Why is this happening? Where are you in the midst of the valley? Over the course of the past three months, I've had some very challenging conversations. If you're a guest here today, I wanna welcome you to Pathways, and I wanna let you know that I've been in a valley A valley that has created some challenging conversations. I mean, think about it. If you were to get up in front of a couple thousand people and said, you know what? I'm struggling and battling alcohol and my life is messy. That's what took place on May 21st, some 12 weekends ago. We were, ironically enough, in a series called The Messy Middle. And then I had to share my own messy middle with the congregation. I'm in a valley. I know what that's like. And over the last couple of weeks, months, I've had a lot of challenging conversations. I've become familiar with awkward, to listen, to listen to people who are angry at me, mad at me, people that I've disappointed, people that I've hurt, that I've had to make some amends to, things that I've had to come clean with, to fess up, to say, "This is where I'm broken, this is where I'm fragile. This is where I'm human. I'm human. This is where I have fallen. This is what I struggle with. I am sorry, forgive me. What can I do to make it up to you? This is the valley that I've been walking through. And inevitably, there's usually a question that's posed to me in the context of these challenging conversations. The question is simply this. So Adam, Pastor Adam, have you been delivered from alcohol? That's the question. Have you been delivered from alcohol? That song that we sang, our God is a over. He'll see you through. The question never becomes have you been delivered from alcohol? Now, can I just preface this for all the church people? If you grew up on this side of church land, okay? If this is church kingdom and you grew up in church kingdom, this is all the yelling, raving Pentecostal charismatics. When they ask that question, it's something like this: "That's Adam, have you been delivered from alcohol? Hallelujah. Blah, 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 blah. And then they're ready to grab you by the forehead to anoint you, okay? All right? Now, if you grew up in church land on this side of the continuum, okay, say Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, I think you're calling Jesus, it's moving the spirit, okay? The question is more like this Hey, Adam, ha- have you been de- de- delivered? De- delivered? From alcohol? That's how that question goes. I've been asked that question every which way. And here's what I know that God can instantaneously deliver a person of every desire for every kind of alcohol known to humankind. He can. He can instantaneously deliver. In fact, I met a gentleman, I was talking to somebody who was, uh, used to be a part of our church. He said, God delivered me. There was a moment I don't have a desire for alcohol. But friends, that's not my story. That's not my testimony. That's not what I have experienced. And you know what? I used to think, that perhaps somebody's faith like my faith was incomplete or weak. I used to think that perhaps I don't have enough faith for the immediate removal of a desire to do whatever it is because just because my valley is alcohol doesn't mean that your valley doesn't have a set of desires and triggers and buttons and people and worry and fear and anxiety and problems. Just because mine is alcohol doesn't mean yours is any different. It just comes in a different form. Because I didn't say this first service, this is not in my notes, but you know what? I feel like the Holy Spirit is dropping this into my heart. We are all addicted. It's to a three letter word, it's called S I N, sin. We're all addicted. Just ask your two year old. You never have to say, hey, would you share? No! Mine! Go away! My toy! Who teaches them that? S-I-N. They're little demons. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just had to lighten up the room a little bit. But you know, as you live life a little bit, you begin to realize that perhaps what you once thought was weak faith is actually strong faith. Because maybe, just maybe, that the faith that you want it in the instantaneous or the immediate, the faith that you were believing for the healing, the faith that you were believing against suicidal thoughts, the belief, the thought, The the rejection that you had from your mom or your dad or the thoughts of your spouse constantly saying, you're not good enough. More, I wish you could beat my needs. You're not living up. You can't provide. You failed. This doesn't happen. You look at your prodigal and you think, man, if I had just enough faith for them to return. What if, what if actually a stronger expression of faith is to go through what you're going through because it's not measured in a moment. It's measured in a mile. It's measuring the steps of faith that you take in the midst of your valley in which God is with you. What if it's that kind of faith that actually proves to be beneficial because beyond the shadow, there comes a sun. Beyond the shadow, there comes a day. Beyond the shadow, there comes a victory. Beyond the shadow, there's a moment in which your brokenness turns into his blessing and reward for your good and for the glory of God what if it was that kind of faith what if we had faith like that what if we had faith to say to people no he has not delivered me from the desire of alcohol but you know what he has done he's walked with me in the valley he's been there when the desire hit me and i got to call a friend of mine and say i'm struggling i got to call on the name of the lord and say god would you grant me serenity for the things that i cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. What if he put tools in your toolbox in order to overcome, to have a life that would say, listen, if you wanna have a life, a God-glorifying life, a valley walking, a sin-defeating, a sin-rejecting, an overcoming kind of life, then you need to have a shepherd. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, because friends, we all encounter Valleys. In fact, if you have a Bible today, I wanna to take you, let me show you how God is gonna see you through because some of you right now are asking the question, well, how does God do this? Do I have to like change my diet? Do I have to like, you know, buy a bunch of essential oils? Do I have to sign up for, you know, the herbal tea? What do I do? How do I kick this in? Is that, I gotta change my exercise routine? Is this some like eye makeup or cream that's gonna help my wrinkles? Could they got wrinkles for souls? Like, what are you gonna do? How are we gonna do this? Do I need to talk to somebody about all the voices in my head when I'm walking through my valley? Do I need to like love myself? Do I need to forgive myself? Do I need to have grace? What do I need to do for this? Listen, it's not so much about a how. it's more about a who. And it's the who that I'm talking about today is not your mom, although I love your mom. It's, it's, not, about, it's, it's, not, about, it's not about your boyfriend. It's not about your girlfriend. It's about a shepherd king. Let me show you Psalm 23. If you have a Bible, make sure you take your Bible. In fact, I want to challenge all of us as a congregation let's begin to bring our Bibles to church, okay? I don't care if it's a paper Bible. I don't care if it's a mobile device. Get on your mobile app, make sure you download it, bring your Bible. You don't go to work without your key card, do you? No. You, you, you don't go to Meyer without your credit card. So don't come to church. Listen, the screens, I love you, church, but if I wanna lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus, if I wanna make disciples around, the screens are designed for people who are guests and who are still consuming Christ. They're learning, they're growing. For committed followers of Jesus, I want your fingers to know how to work itself around the Bible. I want you to know how to turn on UVersion and get on their app and figure it out and scroll through it. That's good for your soul. We need to be people of the book. Amen? Psalm 23, written by David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Here's the word of the Lord. David said this, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. "'He makes me lie down in green pastures. "'He leads me beside quiet waters. "'He refreshes my soul. "'He guides me along the right paths. "'For whose sake? "'For his name's sake. "'And even though I walk through the valley, "'the darkest valley, "'I will fear no evil.'" Why is David going to give us some mystical formula in Psalm 23? Nope. Is he going to give us a plan? Nope. I will fear no evil because you are, say it with me, with me. It's more about a who and less of a how. See, David is saying to us, I need something to transform inside of you. Something must shift as you walk through the valley. And I need to tell you today, something shifted in me when the Jesus from Psalm 23 went from the crocheted picture that hung on my grandma's wall to a gritty promise by a trustworthy shepherd pinned to my heart. Something inside of me shifted as I walked through the valley. I began to know a strength. I began to know a confidence. I began to know a certain resolution, a certain peace that I couldn't begin to describe. And I still can't describe it to you. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the unknowns of my future, I know who holds my hand, and it's the shepherd. I know that Jesus is with me. And just to be clear, let's clarify this. Some 500 years later, Jesus describes himself in the book of John. He says, I am the good shepherd. It was almost as if David was prophetically pointing forward to saying, You know what? I know I'm a shepherd. I remember being a little shepherd boy, and I know culturally what a shepherd means. But David was almost saying, one day I know that there is a shepherd coming, and from his very rod and staff, from his very hands, from the very place of victory on Golgotha, he's going to redeem, and he's going to give mankind a chance and an opportunity to be reconciled with the love of God through his death and resurrection on the cross. David was saying, this shepherd wants to walk with you. Now, Historically speaking, when we talk about shepherds in the context of the Old Testament, this is not what we think of shepherds. We think of shepherds as the the perfectly pressed white robe, the the guy in the Olin Mills picture, the guy with the nice cuffed beard. We think of that shepherd, flowing hair, like gazing off like a glow and a little lamb around. You know that picture that I'm talking about? That's That's not the Jesus... That's not the kind of shepherd that Psalm 23 is referencing. In Psalm 23, culturally speaking, a shepherd had a kingly quality to him. A shepherd was strong in stature. He commanded respect on one hand and on the other hand also brought care. That's why David said this in Psalm 78, 72, with integrity of heart and skilled hands, I wanna shepherd God's people. He wasn't talking about this mild, meek, meek as weak kind of thing. No, 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 no. He was saying, I'm gonna have integrity of heart and I'm gonna have skilled hands to shepherd God's people, the nation of Israel. And under David's reign, it was the golden heir for Israel. The golden age was found under David. Oh, David, by the way, who was also a murderer and an adulterer. He went through a couple valleys himself and God wasn't done with him yet, just like he's not done with you. And so for those who were Babylonians, they had Marduk. It was their shepherd, Marduk. It was their God. For the Mesopotamians, it was Shamash. Somebody say Shamash. I just like saying that, Shamash. I just wanted to hear somebody say Shamash. Shamash, right? It was Shamash. But our shepherd, how many of you know, is more powerful than all the gods, lowercase g, of the Babylonians and the Mesopotamians, those on the continent of Africa, or in Indonesia or in China, or all the economic finance or all the collapse of Elon Musk or whatever they want to put on Twitter, or whoever it is and whatever it is, we serve a shepherd who is all-powerful. And this is good to know because Jesus, listen, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the shepherd of your soul wants to lead you into an abundant life. What does that look like according to Psalm 23? To lead you into green pastures beside quiet waters. Friends, can I tell you, Marduk can't take you beside quiet waters. Listen, Shamash can't provide you with a food source. Neither can Joe Biden. He's not gonna give you refreshment and Donald Trump, there's no way that he's gonna take you into a, to a green pasture. And I don't care if it's Cardi B or Jay-Z or Taylor Swift. And I'm certain that Jordan Love's not gonna let you enter into the promised land this year. <laughs> I'm so glad people clapped. I've been booed from the stage when I poked at the Packers before. That's great, thank you. That's a 49ers fan. <laughs> Where do you find green pastures? In fields. <laughs> Anyways, all right, boo, 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 boo. All right. Boo, boo. <laughs> So how does Jesus do this? Well, good question. Second part of verse four, it says this. The text reads, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His rod and staff, they comfort. They bring comfort. The shepherd will bring you comfort. How does he do that with his rod and staff? It goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's a sign of favor. His favor overflows such that our cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let me give you three steps that you can take while you walk through the valley. The same steps that I'm taking. Things that God showed me, I wanna share with you. Here are the steps. You wanna take three steps. If you're taking notes, write these down. Here's the first step. You must see Jesus as your guide and protector in the valley. These are not suggestions, these are not ideas. This is not chicken soup for your soul. This is the inerrant, infallible word of God to the very core of who you are if you're in a valley, okay? You must, that's why I use the the term must. This isn't like, oh, let me give you a little thought here for today. No, 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 no. I wanna give you God's word, his truth that will transform you. You must see Jesus as your guide and your protector when you walk through the valley. You know how he does that? With his rod and his staff. His staff is what guides us. When we kind of want to get off and go down in a ditch into the valley, when we want to get off the path, when we start hearing voices in our head and things become very cloudy in the valley, when we have crazy thoughts and crazy symptoms and a mental obsession and a physical craving, then what God does is says, I'm just going to take my staff and I'm going to pull you close to me. When people leave you in the valley, the good shepherd will never leave you. When people turn their back on you, when you go through that divorce, when somebody's looking from the from the from the steep clefts of the valley, throwing rocks at you and mocking you and say, "See, I knew you were gonna stumble. See, I knew you were gonna fall." The shepherd won't leave you. In fact, he'll take that staff and pull you close. Now we all know the staff, right? Let's talk about let's talk about the rod. Let's talk about the rod. We live in Wisconsin, right? Amen? Yeah. Are you glad you live in Wisconsin? You know what I love about Wisconsin? Yeah. Yes. Here in Wisconsin, let's just say there's a proliferation of gun ownership when it comes to everybody's resident. You, you can have a little nervous laughter, okay? <laughs> but long before everybody had a handgun, you know what grandpa used to have in the corner of the room? It was a baseball bat. Because if somebody came in grandpa's house, he's going to whack them. whack. That is the rod of the good shepherd. See, we have so domesticated who Jesus Christ is as the good shepherd, we forget that he also has a rod to whack off the demons and the hyenas that'll laugh at you and the lions that'll come, come and scrape your soul. We have a protector who's gonna whack them with a rod. So when you're walking through the valley, the first thing that you need to do, you must see Jesus as both the guy who'll whack somebody and the guy who'll keep you close to your side. The second step that you need to take is that you must set Jesus in your view as you go through the valley. What do you mean by that, Adam? Well, what I mean by that is simply this. Oftentimes we go through a valley in dark places and everything and everyone else becomes clouded and comes into our view. To set Jesus in your view is a choice. It's a choice for you to say, I'm gonna place the author and the finisher, the perfecter of my faith before me. I'm gonna set him in front of me in my view as I go through this valley because the temptation is to rehearse all the things, all the people who hurt you, to blame, to say, you know what? It's because of so-and-so. And you say, this is what I'm worried about. And this is what I fear. And you know what happens? Sometimes, The symptoms, the symptoms of anxiety are symptoms of what you're afraid of. But I want you to know today that what you are afraid of, God is in charge of. That his presence is your protection in the midst of the valley that you're walking through. That your regret and your remorse and all of your resentments in a moment, that the shepherd, when you set him in in front of your view in full view, he'll give you the wisdom and the guidance and the insight on how to navigate the valley. Amen? You gotta set him in front of your view. It's a choice, it's a choice. Well, how do you do that, Adam? Well, you know how you do that? You do that every single day when you have a desire to spend time with Jesus. The most, friends, listen to me, the most important time of your day is when you take time and you spend it with Jesus. Not like all the other parts of your day are not with Jesus, but that alone time, that devotional space, when you sit in your chair, we call it chair time here. When you have one-on-one intentional time with Jesus, what you're doing is you're connecting with the good shepherd. You're saying, listen, Jesus, today, I am powerless and my life is unmanageable unless you lead me today, this 24. Like you have to lead me. I'm going through the valley. So how do you do that? How do you spend time with Jesus? Well, the first thing that you do is that you spend time in his word. If you wanna meet the good shepherd, you gotta get your nose into the good book. Just that simple. All right, well, how am I gonna do that, Adam? Give me like a tip. How many people are practical people in the room? Like, I don't need all this esoteric little, like, I need some tools in my toolbox. You know what you do? You put your phone and your keys every single night. You take your phone and your keys and you put them under your bed, all the way in the middle of your bed. Okay, why would I do that, Adam? That's dumb. I'm gonna tell you why. Listen, because when you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you wanna do is grab for your phone and check your email or get on your social media or tweet or post or do something, you'll be on your knees when you reach for them underneath your bed and you say, man... Since I'm on my knees, why don't I just spend a little time and give it up to God? Why don't I just say, God, God, I need some time with you. Oh, but Pastor Adam, I don't have time. You you got time to get your keys and your phone. You got time to spend on your knees with Jesus. And then you know what you do? You just reach over and you grab that little devotional, that little classic devotional. You know that one written by Brene Brown? No, I'm not talking about Brene. I love Brene Brown. I read her books. I'm talking about Oswald Chambers. How about you get yourself a little, my utmost for his highest. You ever heard of that little devotional? Why don't you reach over and get something like that on your knees and you open up to that day and you say, here's, here's, here's the passage, here's the thought, here's what I need to do. And then you you know what you do? And then you start brushing your teeth, you comb your hair, you wash your face, you shave, you do whatever you gotta do to get for wherever, to look the best you possibly can look before you hit the world. And then do you know what you do? Then you turn on some worship music. You know why? Because worship and worry can't come out of your mouth at the same time. When you begin to worship, the worries of your day are gonna to begin to dissolve in the presence of our great God. You begin to turn on a song. You know what song I'm listening to right now? It's called uh, Shall Not Want. Shall Not Want. I sent it to some friends, I think, recently. Shall not, no, you know, another song. I sent them this song. It's called uh, uh, Plead the Blood. Oh, one by Elevation, another one, I don't know. Let's say Elevation, whatever. You turn on some of that song. Some of that music. And all of a sudden, you put that on repeat, and you start brushing your teeth, and all of a sudden, there's gonna be a sense of, wow, the shepherd is with me. I shall not want. Green pastures, he's gonna lead me. He's gonna guide me. And then you begin to consecrate. Big word for set your day toward him. Set him before you. This is the way that David says it in Psalm 16.8. He says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Now, if you don't do this, you know what you're gonna continually say? You'll say words like this. Well, I don't know if it's his voice. I'm not sure if I can hear him. How do I know it's God? I'll tell you how you don't know if it's God. You'll never know if it's God unless you put some relational time and reps in with Jesus. You'll always be answering that question. You'll always be asking like, well, is it God? Well, it's God, well, it's God. Listen." You have to spend time just like in any other relationship with Jesus Christ in order to develop a growing relationship with him. Yeah, but pastor, that's why I come to church on Sunday. Listen, listen, listen. Did the Israelites only get manna on Sabbath? No, they got it every day. Lesson, application, Jesus wants to give you daily bread. Your job is to back up the truck and open the doors of your heart and let him deliver something warm and fresh, amen? All right, third thing. Not only do you need to see him as your guide and protector, not only do you need to set him before you in front of full view, you need to accept the valleys. Can we just accept the valleys? Valleys are a part of life. You know, I wonder if we sold the wrong impression of what it means to be Christians. I wonder if we told the world that when you come to Christ, you're not gonna walk through a valley. hmm In fact, I think when you come to Christ, you're going to go into some deeper valleys because God's got to break something inside of you. He's got to break some pride. He's got to break some ego. He's got to break some some lust. He's got to break some control. He's got to break your greed. He's got to break your desire. He's got to break some things in you. We don't want to talk about the breaking of Christianity. There's a breaking that happens when you come to Christ. He's breaking the sinful self, the old man, off of you. Why? So that the new self, the new person, the true self, whatever you want to call it, that comes forth. In psychological terms, the shadow self is now dead, and the renewed the self that is lit, that's why 1 John 1, 7, I wanna walk in the light as he is in the light. Why? Because when I do, I know my sins are atoned for and I have fellowship with other people who are children of the light. That's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, John 8, 12, will never walk in darkness. Believe in me, John 12, 46, so that why you would become children of the light because beyond the shadow of the valley, there is light ahead of you. I was away a couple weeks ago. I think I told you this uh, when I did a little ministry moment a few weeks back. I was up north and I was praying and spending time with you, loving Jesus. Do you remember that? I told you that? Did I, tell you, did I tell you about that story? Just nod your head like I did, okay? Thanks, all right. There was a moment when I was at a cabin up there and I'll never, this moment I took pictures because there was lightning and thunder and rain where I was. And on the lake, it was, it was just—it pretty torrential and it was ugly and it was, it was all this. But, but beyond all of the clouds and the valley in my mind, there was this little gaping hole ahead of me and there was bright light and sun. But I couldn't feel the sun. I didn't know the sun was ever gonna come my way, but it was by faith that I had to continually set before me, there's the light. I know all this is going around, and I got to accept all this. I can't repress it. I can't deny it. I can't drown it. I, can, I have to acknowledge that valleys are a part of life. But in the midst of that acknowledgement, I need to know that God is going to do something for me in the context of this valley. Because when God breaks something in you, he brings something forth that's new in you. The entirety of scripture. Can I just speak real quick? Can I give you a word? Listen, most of our Christianity and evangelical Christianity are Western cultures like this. We think through it as Americans. We think that once I make a decision, literally, I'm gonna grow in a straight line toward Christ until I come to heaven. That's how we think. Now we don't say that because we know that's not our experience, but that's what we think. Unfortunately, that thought is wrong. That thought is not biblical. That thought, can I say it this way, is heretical. Because when you actually read the scripture, here's what it is. Life in God is a series of deaths and resurrections. Life in God is a series of, I had a dream and I thought it was from you, God, and I shared it with my brothers, and now I'm in prison. Joseph. God, you told me that you were giving me a promised child, but my wife, she owed. old as dirt. And I'm not working too well. But she told me to go hang out with this woman, and now I got an Ishmael, Abraham. And what did Abraham have to do in Genesis 22? Take your one and only son. Go up to Mount Moriah. I want you to sacrifice him there. You talk about a valley. You know, A.W. Tozer says it this way. AW Tozer talks about when we're in a valley, it's a it's the blessed of nothingness. It's releasing everything to him in a valley. It's saying, I just give, it's it's being so stripped down and broken down. And Tozer had to do this because he was offering his little daughter to God. He wasn't sure what was going to happen in her life. He said, when we can offer it, it's a series of deaths and resurrections. And when we resurrect, it's a newness, it's a fervency, it's a fresh fire, a fresh anointing, a fresh ministry. That's why David says, my cup overflows and overflows and overflows. Listen, let me tell you something about a valley. A valley can only be formed geologically when you have two mountains on either side. Let me tell you something else about a valley. You're going to hear God's voice different in a valley than you do on a mountain. Let me tell you a third thing about a valley. David said, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. It felt like death, but it wasn't death. And what you're going through is what you're gonna go through with his hand holding on to you. God's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Don't believe that lie. Today you're walking through a valley and I don't want you to believe that lie. I want you to know that God is not done with you yet, that he brought you here today to show you that the shepherd of your soul will walk with you through anything for your good, and for His glory. Now, let me show you practically speaking how David did this. Remember where David fought his greatest foe? What was his name? Goliath. You know where he fought him in the Valley of Elah, 1 Samuel seventeen. Let me show you practically what David did. He wrote Psalm twenty-three, but he actually lived Psalm twenty-three when he was in the Valley of Elah. You know why? Because King Saul said to him, "Here, listen. You got to go fight the giant. Here's what I want you to do: take my armor." And you know what Scripture says? It didn't fit him. Somebody else's protection is not your protection. Your armor is not meant for somebody else, just like their armor is not meant for you. God gave you a slingshot. Use your slingshot. God gave you a plane. Use your plane. God gave you some business stuff. Use your business stuff. God gave you this. God gave you this. God gave you this. Don't try to take on my armor. My armor is not going to fit you. And you know what? Your armor's not going to fit me. We had to be who we are in God. And so you know what he said? He said, listen, this doesn't fit me. So can you just give me my slingshot? Saul was like, okay. And then he said, with my slingshot, I know that God is going to be my protector and my guide because I used to kill lions and bears with my slingshot. So this Goliath, man, he's a punk. He's a punk. That's my translation, by the way. And then you know what he set before Goliath? When Goliath came down and he would mock the Israelites, one day David got so angry, he got so tired of it because he was just bringing like, he was bringing milk and cheese and raisins and dates and whatever other biblical fruit they had. And he was bringing them to his brothers and then he got sick of it one day. And he's like, you know what, forget, forget, this guy's a punk. Give me my slingshot. He walked up and he said, you know what? You come at us with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. What did he do? He set before his giant in the midst of the valley, he set the name of the Lord God before Goliath. My question to you today is this, what are you gonna set before yourself in the valley? Who's gonna be your guide and protector? Can you accept it? Can you just let go and stop trying to control your valley, stop trying to run away from your valley? You know, my prayers have become a lot less of God get me out of here and more of God guide me through here because God's not done with you yet. He's got to teach you something. Don't believe those lies. He's got you right where he wants you to show you who he is in and through your life. Listen up, you're in this moment in the valley, not because life is hard, that's one reason, not because you made some poor choices like me, that's another reason, but sometimes you're just in a valley because the shepherd just wants you to know that he's not done with you yet. He's not done with you. There's more for you. There's more glory, more power. So if you're in a valley, I'm right there with you. I'm in a valley. And this week, what I pictured was that all the valley people, all the people in our valley here at Pathways Church, those of you who are online, were stepping step by step through the valley because the only way through is through. And I want you to know today, Pathways Church, that this church is a place where people go through valleys and end up with victories step by step.